Well, guys, one of the things that you can see off to my left here is we are kicking off a new series that we're titling Quarantine Checklist. Quarantine Checklist, where for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at, hey, what are the things that we as believers in Christ, we need to make sure that we are covering? What are the essentials for us? This came, uh, this actually came as an idea to me after spending some time watching news, media, articles, all this kind of stuff, kind of looking at what was going out there and seeing this fascinating approach to, hey, here's your survival checklist. Here's your pandemic checklist. Here's all the things that you need. Here's all the bases that you need to have covered. It's fascinating because it's happening at every level. Like countries right now, we've, we've talked about, hey, what are essential services? What are the essential things? What do we need to add to the checklist? What do we need to make sure that countries have. I've got some notes here, some of the fascinating things. When it comes to essential services specific for countries, there's a lot of general agreement. This won't surprise people. What are essential services? Healthcare workers, police, utilities, communications, things along those lines, like um, mass transit to some degree. How, How do we care for folks in all the right ways, getting them where they need to go to serve the community essential? What's interesting, though, is how even country to country, and then sometimes state to state, how those vary, how those disagree. Let me give an example. Uh, France, the nation of France right now under, under essential services include boutique shops that serve wine, pastries, and cheese. I thought it was interesting, uh, UK, Britain specifically, they came out and at first they did not have liquor stores as an essential service. But then as everything went to stay home, work safe, as everything shifted, all of a sudden, grocery stores could not keep up with the demand. And so all of a sudden now, liquor stores in Britain, much like they've been here in the U.S., are essential services. Fascinating things here in the U.S. in particular in India, the IT sector, especially in a lot of the ways that we support our internet, has been classified as essential services. Why is that? How many other people or families or individuals have spent more time watching Disney Plus this past week than perhaps they had all the weeks that had come out since? I know I've seen Frozen like three times with my daughter, right? There's folks that are supporting that, whether it be Netflix or internet or online or broadband or speed, essential services. It's been interesting to see what some of the states, for example, the state of California and Washington. In California and Washington, essential services are pot dispensaries. It's pretty interesting. State of Texas and Connecticut, essential services are gun shops and ammunition. Right? It's fascinating thinking about these guys because you start to see what really matters. What do we classify as essential? What when there's confusion, when there's pandemic, when there's chaos? What are the essential things we got to grab? It's fascinating too because it happens not just countries, but individuals. I've seen so many articles that say the top 10 things you need to go to the grocery store and get. The top 20 things, the top, I saw one, 72 things that you need to go to the grocery store and get. This is everything from your milk, eggs, to people talking about you need 30 days of canned foods, to people talking about, no, you got to go and get and buy water, but then you need a water filtration system. I saw one on there selling a rainwater dispensary system that you could use as filtration to get natural water. Guys, there's so many things that in the midst of this, we try to double down and tell ourselves, okay, this is a must-have. This is essential. You ever heard the, the simple question that sometimes folks ask where they say, hey, if, if your house caught on fire and you had to run out, right? And then they always set it up with a hypothetical, but everyone's safe, the family's safe, kids safe, wife's safe, your roommates are safe, your friends are safe, everyone's safe, right? You could just take one thing. What would you take? 
The reason I share that is the reason countries are saying what's essential, the reason individuals are saying what's essential is because when there's crisis, it shows what do we value most? Like, what do we have to prioritize? See, it's interesting. In the midst of a pandemic, it's doing two general things. It's requiring countries, globe, or excuse me, global community, individual families, it's requiring us to change, to shift, to adapt. But as we do that, it also does something else. It not just requires change, but it reveals what we care about. It reveals our priorities. And so as I've been thinking about this, I've been praying about COVID-19, I've been thinking to myself, okay, what is the spiritual checklist? Like in the midst of all of this, when the whole world is changing, it's adapting, it's shifting, there's wonderful celebration moments of people overcoming, and there's tremendous worry, fear, anxiety. What are the essentials for Christians? What is our quarantine checklist? What are the things that no matter what, we got to make sure we pack, we put in first, and we set up. And it's because of that same heart, guys. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be spending time in our series, Quarantine Checklist. Well, we are going to look at what are the things that God Almighty has said, this must mark you, church. This must mark you, believer. This must be the thing that you pack, the thing that you grab, the thing that you put in first. Why? Because, guys, it is a little bit of a, an interesting time. One of the things I never want to do is create any sense of um, overly done uh, fear, panic, concern, crisis, right? I I never want to add to that, especially Christians. We are people of faith, not fear. We are people of peace, not panic. But last night I was watching, reading some articles, and I saw uh, 3.28 million individuals have filed for unemployment. That's the highest rate in, in U.S. history. I saw the chairman of the Fed right? Chairman of the Fed, they'd asked him, hey, what are some of the things the Federal Reserve, what are some of the things that they can do to prevent a recession? And again, I'm not creating any fear. I'm not creating any panic. We walk by faith. We trust God. But his answer in talking about that was, what's to make you think we're not already in a recession? Why would we talk about preventative measures if we're already in one? Guys, here's what I'm saying. In the midst of the time where the world is going to, what are the essentials? What are the proverbial life rafts that they can grab? What are the things that if we're running from the household that you got to get? We as Christians have things in our lives that are the priorities, that are the essentials, that for our quarantine checklist must define and mark us. Because the opportunity, and and you've been hearing me talk about this the past um, few weeks, right? The Christian community in general is talking about this all the time because it's so true. The opportunity we have is to show the world we have a different checklist. We have different priorities. We find security. We find ultimate strength in a different way. Does that mean we're not wise? No. Does that mean that we don't take precautionary steps? No. Does that mean that we are foolish or foolhardy? No. But it means that we want the world to see that at the end of the day, our ultimate protector, provider, love giver, healer, supporter, Name's Jesus, and we believe him to be true, and it's our chance to prove it, y'all. So that's why I'm excited to spend some time talking about this new series, Quarantine Checklist, where we look at what are the essential things that Christians, we pack, the essential things that we grab. The first essential thing that we're going to talk about, the first essential thing that goes on our quarantine checklist, the thing Christians, we have to grab, it's faith. It's faith. 
Now, if you grew up in church or you've been connected to the Springs, or you've been running with us for a while, you may hear that and wrongly think, oh, faith. Oh, faith. Okay, obvious. Check. That's just a church answer. No, no, no. Here's the real thing, guys. Let me ask you, like before we even start the talk, I want you to do a self-audit. You're sitting there with your family or maybe you're with your roommates as you're all quarantined, right? Or, or perhaps you're, you're sitting there, you're with your kids. Audit your past week. Audit it. Think about it. Reflect. What did my employees see mark me? What did my community group see mark me? What, what did my friends see mark me? What did my kids see mark me? What did my family, when I called to check on them, right, see that marks me? Here's my question. Was it faith? Was it a reliance in a God in heaven? Was it faith? Because here's the truth. I think a lot of the church is talking about all the ways that we can thrive and be a demonstration in the midst of what is real heartache, tragedy, loss of life. But church, we can excel still more. That's why the first essential on our quarantine checklist is faith. We're going to look at it in two different perspectives, and we're going to see it from Matthew 13. We're actually going to look at two parables. It's going to be wonderful. I'm so excited. We're going to be in Matthew 13. We're going to be in verses 44 through 46. If you got a Bible, you can turn there, go grab one. If you don't have one, you can look it up online. You can pull up your phone. You can do whatever you need. But turn to Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. We're going to see why is faith an essential to our checklist? The first reason, like for, the, for people, the first reason is faith is more valuable than everything. The second is going to be that to God, we were worth everything. I love it as you're turning there. Here's what's happening in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew was written by one of Jesus' disciples, Matthew, right? He wrote as his firsthand account of everything that Jesus had done, right? He'd run with Jesus. He got to know Jesus. It really chronicles the life of Christ. It's written to an audience that was Jewish, where you see this amazing arc in the narrative of the life of Christ, where Jesus, it's his birth, the genealogy that comes there, and then his birth, his affirmation, his baptism of the Holy Spirit, his authority through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're building momentum. Then you start to see his agenda and kind of, hey, here's why I've come. Here's my mission. Here's what I'm about. It builds, it builds, it builds. And then you see this shift where in the building support and celebration of Jesus, there's this mounting opposition to him. Where these folks that come up against him and say, no, no, no. You're leading them the wrong way. What you're saying is not true, is he's, he's leaning into, in particular, false religious teaching at the time. Chapter 13, it's right in the middle of this opposition. Jesus, he uses eight different parables. A parable, it's like a story that illustrates a spiritual truth. It's Jesus giving eight different illustrations. And we're going to look at illustration number five and number six. He's giving these illustrations speaking of what it means for the kingdom of of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, oftentimes in your Bible, it's synonymous with the kingdom of God. It, it speaks ultimately to the truth that God is sovereign and rule over all. He's creator, sustainer, and reigner. But it speaks to, especially you could see here and before in the, in the context of chapter 13, it's speaking to faith. It's speaking to the kingdom of heaven being a relationship with God, being worth more than anything, and why from that you being worth everything to him. So if you have a Bible, turn with me. We're going to be in Matthew 13, right? We'll be Matthew 13. We're going to look at verses 44 through 46, and then I'm going to jump back up, right? And we're going to look at just verse 44. But read with me, Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Some of you, you may be familiar with this parable. Hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. 
Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Parable number one. Let's keep going. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Okay, it's changed a little. Who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all he had and bought it. That's where we're going to be today, but let's jump back up to verse 44 and read through that one more time. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Guys, as we kick off our series quarantine checklist and we remind ourselves that the number one essential that you and I need is faith. The first reason we need that, the first reason that matters so much to us is this, is this truth, is what this parable is teaching. Faith is better than everything. Faith is better than anything. And here's why, even, even as I say this virtually, I think there's so many Christians or believers or people who grow up and they're like, oh yeah, 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 I got it. No, but seriously, you believe it's better than whether or not you lose your job? Do you believe it's better than the impact to your health? Do you believe it's better than how, over the past few weeks especially, your personal autonomy, your individual liberty, has fundamentally changed? Do you believe it's better than everything? We're like, really? Because Jesus is showing here the kingdom of heaven is worth all that you have. Let, let me show you that fr from the passage here. Right? I'm going to first break down the principle, or excuse me, the parable, right? and then I want to explain a little bit of its significance. All right, so we've shared, hey, what, what's the kingdom of heaven? And then it's going to give the story. I'm going to give the overview of the, the story here. It's like a man in search, or excuse me, like a man who was walking, and he came across a treasure hidden in a field. One of the things that's true that back then, more so than ever now, right, is people would hide their buried treasure. They didn't have banks the same way we have banks. The second reason why they would hide is a lot of times tax collectors would come to their house and just take. The third reason why a lot of folks would hide their treasure is because they were constantly, especially for Jews at this point, Palestinians, Palestine right there, they were being plundered. Enemy soldiers would come and they would just take. So what would they do? Wanting to protect their wealth, they'd literally go, they'd bury it, they'd hide it in a field. There'd be a secret location to where if they needed well, if they needed money, they'd go, they'd get there by way of night, get out what they need, rebury it, hope no one sees them, creep back by way of darkness, and then have their wealth. This would have connected to a first century audience. Where they said, oh yeah, no, it's hidden in the field. And there's this guy coming along and he almost like stumbles across it. That's the language. He finds it, realizes it's this amazing treasure jewels, rubies, like picture any moment where you come across its buried treasure, X marks the spot. That's what he comes across. He realizes it's supreme. It's how the kingdom of heaven is better than everything. The kingdom of heaven is worth everything. How faith, relationship with God, from even salvation, dependence, trust, commitment, fidelity to him, it's better than everything. You come and you sell all that you have. How does that first demonstrate—excuse uh, me—demonstrate itself to be true? That first demonstrates itself to be true by knowing Jesus Christ. Like so many of us, man, we've we've grown up perhaps in church. We've heard these ideas. We know all about Jesus, but we do not personally know Jesus. One of the main things that happens is you come, and especially as you evangelize, you share your faith in a, let's just call Christian subculture, like the Bible Belt or Texas or, or wherever you are, even scattered across the nation. 
So many times people think they have a relationship with Jesus because they know about Jesus. Those are two fundamentally very different things. Here's what's true of those who know, who believe, who abide in, who have been saved by. They know that God in heaven loves them, yet they were a sinner and they went their own way. Then in the midst of all the chaos of COVID-19, what keeps them up at night, it's anxiety, fear, and panic, not trust, and it's sin. And that sin separates them from a holy father, a God in heaven who loves them. But God, because he loved them, he sent his son to die for them. Where on the cross, he paid the penalty for their sin and mine, their foolishness and mine, past, present, future. He rose from the grave, proving I am God. I forgive, I extend grace. And then he pleads with the world, believe in me. That's all he asks, believe in me. Not, not get it together, believe in me. And it's from that belief, what happens? From that belief, we begin to change where we follow and we see you are true. You are better than everything. Faith is worth everything. And that's the second part. And this is if you're a believer, right? The second part is the realization of this is the most precious thing in my life. You lose your job, faith means more. If there's sickness in your family, faith means more. If all of a sudden you find yourself as an employer having to make really difficult decisions about employees, how to manage cash, the viability of a business, what's more precious? Faith means more. The quarantine checklist, the thing we add in first, it's faith. Why? Because faith, better than everything. My daughter, Lily, when she was born, she was really sick. We were in the hospital for quite some time. While we were there, um, all of a sudden, they're doing all these tests. The doctors are trying to figure out everything. They didn't fully know all that was wrong with her. And there were a few times specifically that I remember. Doctors would come up and they would say, hey, we need to let you know that we want to run this test. It's not necessarily essential, right? But we think it could be helpful. Do we have your permission? One, they needed my permission medically. But two, and I found this out second time, the doctor came. Really what they were talking about is, hey, this is a really expensive test. I can remember there was one specific, I believe it was nitric oxide, they were gonna open it. And to open this tank of nitric oxide for Lily would be an immediate $125,000 charge. One of the things that was true of me at that time Right? I was working for a church there in Dallas. I had the provision of medical insurance that had a high, high deductible plan, but after you meet that, it's 100% coverage, 100%. I can remember looking at that doctor and literally saying in response, realizing the financial, the, the amount of cost that it was, how, how worth the 125, and then all the other tests that she had to go through. I remember looking at him saying, hey, can you do two? What other tests could you do? What else? Like in that moment, it did not matter. One, I had coverage, but here was the thing. I can remember I was on the 12th floor of Children's Hospital Dallas. It, it was on the PICU, Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at that point. There were all these other families there. And I can remember walking around and thinking to myself, these families, physicians, doctors, attendings, are asking them the same questions. Hey, can we run tests? Hey, can we do this? We don't know if it's essential, but we think it could be helpful. And those families who I'm sure some of them, Lord willing, I pray, had the same privileged position of mine with insurance, and some of them didn't. To where when they crack open that, right, perhaps insurance covered 80% and they covered 20%. And I can remember thinking the financial burden of medical debt in that moment. 
But here's the thing. I can remember thinking, well, what if that was mine? What if I had a different insurance plan? What would I do? And I think in that moment, I would respond the way I believe every parent on that floor was responding who wasn't in that same situation. Do the test. Do the test. She's more precious. It doesn't matter. It's worth it. She's better than everything. My child is better than everything. If I count that versus this, this is more important. Do the test. It doesn't matter. I'll figure it out later. Incomparable. Church, when it comes to our faith, the defining characteristic, what marks you, what's meant to mark me, our quarantine checklist, the thing that navigates why in the midst of panic and chaos, we lead our family, we care for our neighbor, we are generous with our money, we serve the community when everyone's just sheltered and overly, unnecessarily at times fearful. It's faith. And why? Because it better than everything, worth more than everything. And when you stack it up against the same way parents had to stack up a test and a cost versus the love and the health of their child, there's no comparison. When you stack it up against everything, there's no comparison. Quarantine checklist, it's faith. Why? Faith is better than everything. But let's look at the next reason why we also pack in faith. Let's continue back. Let's jump into the second parable where Jesus, he's going to transition this a little bit and show us uh, faith from a different perspective, right? So jump back in with me, verse 45. We're going to look at 45 through 46 as we think about this. 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven, again, it's continuing from the parable before. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. 46. Who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all he had and bought it. I've always loved these parables, especially after becoming a believer, because for a long time I'd heard them. I had read this. I can remember learning this, and I misunderstood it. I misunderstood it. You see, guys, I think that a lot of times when people read the second parable, they misread it. What I mean by that is they take the theme of the parable before. The parable before is, hey, God is better than everything that you have. God is worth everything. Go and sell it all. Go all in on faith. Give everything to Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is more precious. That's what they think. And then they read that into the next one. That's not what this one's teaching. What this one's teaching is why faith, it's a quarantine checklist, why it's an essential, is really an honest understanding of how not just God is worth everything to you, but you were worth everything to God. We were worth everything. In order to have you, in order to have me, he gave all he had. But let me show you that from this parable. The the last one spoke to the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. It's two different similes. A simile is a comparison. Some of y'all grammar teachers, you may know this, using like or as. The last one, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. This one, it switches. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. And a lot of times we read ourselves into the role of the merchant when in fact, we are the pearl of great value. This is where, again, scholars, sometimes I think it's building on the pearl where it's speaking to the church, the people of God, Jew and Gentile, believing in Jesus Christ, believing in God, his covenant promises by faith. God's people. We aren't the merchant. We are the pearl. Let let me show you that from the parable. Right? It starts by the one who comes, right? The merchant. 
merchant would have been someone, and you know this, right? They buy and they sell goods to make a profit. This merchant's going about trying to find a pearl. What was true of pearls? They were a immense demonstration of wealth. Much the same way like you can be, especially like out in Hollywood, you can get a diamond the size of Pluto on your finger, right? It's this demonstration of, hey, I got money. I'm flossing, right? Back in the day, they didn't have diamonds the same way we have diamonds today. They had pearls. You had to dive down. You had to get them. You had to develop an oyster, all this kind of stuff. Tremendous demonstration of wealth. This merchant's going about and searching to find pearls. And then he finds one. Remember that. Finds one. And then he goes and sells all that he has and he buys it. Guys, what this is speaking to is not just our love for God. And guys, he's better than everything. He's worth everything. To not go all in on that, to not disciple, to discipline, to reinforce that in your own soul, in the soul of the family, your friends, your community group right now is to miss it. But part of the motivation for why that's true for you and for me is because not only does faith mean everything to us, but we, God's people, meant and mean everything to him. Let me walk through that and show you that from this. It starts by saying the merchant, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. So this pearl, he found it, he came across it, but then he needed to purchase it. He needed to buy it. So what did he do? He sold all that he had. This is a demonstration on behalf of God and his people, you and me. What was sold to purchase you, believer? What was sold to purchase me? What was sold to redeem, to ransom, to buy? Jesus Christ. It was his death on a cross that ransomed me from eternity apart from God. It was his death on a cross that redeemed me, which literally had a a financial connotation to it. That redeemed me. He did that. 1 Corinthians 6.20, it's this famous passage where it talks about believers. He says, for you were bought with a price. You know the price of what bought you and me? It's Christ. You were the pearl He sold all that he had to buy the pearl. We were worth everything. Faith is an essential. The next part where this parable reinforces it, I love the language, where he says he's out in search of fine pearls. And then he says, but upon finding one, it speaks to the individuality. It speaks to the you and to the me, to the truth that in the midst of all the pandemic, all the confusion, all the chaos, do you ever feel like that you're alone? Do you ever feel like God's distant or God's not with you? It's never true. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows what keeps you up at night. He knows whether you've lost your job, will lose your job. He knows the impact of a recession. He knows the reality of the family health. He knows what causes the stressors. He knows what tightens your chest. He loves you. He cares deeply for you. He wants you. Another way that I love how this text is reinforcing the truth that we were worth everything to God, which is why faith means everything to us. It says we were a pearl, not just a fine pearl, but a pearl of great value. Do you know how much you mean to God? If you ever have to wonder whether or not you're significant, whether or not you're valuable, whether or not you're meant for something, whether or not he cares, whether or not he loves, you have to look no further than the death of Jesus Christ. Why? It showed how much he valued you. That's why Christians, it's so, we cannot um, self-hate. We cannot have this false flattery of woe is me. We cannot be the spiritual version of Eeyore. Why? We're so precious. He died for us. It's also why we can't have arrogance. He died for us. We're sinners. 
But you see here how faith, we were worth everything. It's an essential quarantine. We put it on the list because what we mean to God. It's not that God was needy. It's not that God was lacking, but it's that God loves, God blesses, God gives. And it's from that we are marked by faith. Great value. And then I love too, why you know that this is God, that we are not the merchant. God's the merchant. The merchant is in search of fine pearls. Remember the parable before? It's like the man goes across, he stumbles it, he uncovers it, he finds the treasure. This one, no, God is searching Guys, God searches and finds you and he finds me. Luke 19, 10, for the son of man, he came to seek, to save the lost. He's the initiator. He is the lover. He is the pursuer. The merchant hunts for the pearl. That's what God did for you. That's what he did for me. So do you see how faith, it's this essential because it shows how precious we are to God. His people believers in Christ. It reinforces this idea, if you don't know him, how much he cares. He wants you to know him. He wants you to have the gift of faith. He wants you to believe. My, uh, my wife has done a phenomenal job. Uh, Lily, our three-year-old, in the midst of while so many families that were public school or private school, everyone's now gone to homeschool, right? And they're figuring that out. They're making sure iPads work and computers and connecting to online classrooms, all this kind of stuff. Everyone's become all of a sudden an elementary, middle school, high school teacher. Well, my wife has become a preschool teacher, right? She's been doing that with my daughter. We had a preschool. We're no longer going to that. She's trying to figure that out. We got trip at home. I'm working, trying to navigate all that. I came in the other day and to create an activity. My wife had come, and we had this uh, kitchen table. She pulled the chairs back. She threw blankets over it. I think I got a picture of this for us to look at, right? If you can see that through here, it's our kitchen table. My wife had come. She threw blankets over everything, saw it, set the whole thing up to create this fort, this activity for my daughter, Lily. Lily's three, right? I walk in the door. Lily says, Daddy, Daddy, will you come? Will you play? Will you get with me in the fort? I come in and I look inside of it, and we got a picture here. It's hard to see with some of the lighting, but underneath this kitchen table, right up beside this kind of kitchen, or excuse me, this um, seating, that we, this seating arrangement that we have, my wife had taken every stuffed animal, thrown it on the floor. She'd taken all these throw pillows and put it on the floor. That way when Lily crawled around, she's crawling on comfortable things. She had all her toys in there. Lily's playing games. She's making, uh, she's cooking these imaginary meals. She's having fun. She's playing games with Riley, our dog. She said, Daddy, will you come play in there with me? Well, guys, our kitchen table, it's not big, right? And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm not tiny, right? My daughter, Lily, she's tiny. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't fit under there. Like, I don't want to get under that. But she's saying, Daddy, Daddy, will you please, will you come play? And there's this thought, of course I'll come play. Of course I'll come, and I'll get on the ground, and I'll play. I crawled under that. I literally had to pull the table out a little bit just so I could fit. I crawled under that. I'm laying on all these toys, some of them, these teddy bears. Parts of the teddy bear are soft, and then you get that like um, plastic hard part for the nose, and that's right where your shoulder is. So you pull that out. Your shoulder's on the hardwood. 30 minutes later, we're laughing, we're playing. My whole shoulder on the right side of my body is just dead. It's asleep. I have to tell my daughter as I awkwardly crawl out, I got to get out. Guys, in order to show my daughter in one instance— how much she meant to me. And I'm not saying Lily understood it that way. But in order to show, Lily, you're precious. Lily, you mean everything. Lily, I love you. In order to do that, you know what I had to do? I just had to get on the floor. I had to crawl under a table. 
I had to be a dad. I had to goof off. I had to play make-believe just to demonstrate I love you. You know what God did on behalf of you and on behalf of me? It was not crawl under a table and play a game. It was die on a cross. It was forgive you of your sins. It was unleash you to a life of purpose and meaning where in the midst of a time, people would come to you as a leader and say, how are you responding with your company? How are you responding with your community groups? How are you responding with your family? How are you responding with your friends? Why? Because you know that the reason faith is the number one essential, the number one thing that's meant to mark you and to mark me, it's because you know he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Hey guys, here's the thing. It is our chance now to know that love and to do something with it. To show the world, to live in a way that's different, to discipline ourselves, to make sure that our checklist, when people come, they say, no, faith. There was something different. There was something different. The way your kids talk about you, no, that was when I saw dad change. That was when I saw dad shift. That was when we started talking about money in a different way and we began to disciple the family in the home. That was when community groups started to open up and they're saying, okay, here's what I have in my emergency fund. Here's how much debt that I have. Where are you? Where are you? Do you need money? Here, I've got money. Do you need money? Here, I've got money. That was when marriages all of a sudden, as they were forced to slow down from all the sports and the leagues and the jobs and the schools and all the trips to slow down and reinvest in a spouse and remind them, I love you. Next to God, you are the most important person on this planet. This is the moment where because we know we were worth everything to God, we fight to demonstrate in truth to self and then before others. Faith is better than everything. Guys, we're in a series quarantine checklist where we are looking at what are the things that we got to put, what are the things that should mark us, what are the things that should define us as people of God in the midst of a time of unemployment and fear and, and who knows? But you know what must mark us? No matter what is faith. No matter what. Why? Because it's better than everything. What does everything include? Your health. Worst thing that can happen is you die. I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not saying that's not tragedy. I'm not saying there's no pain. I'm not saying there's not mourning. But church... And right now I'm speaking specifically to a Christian. If that's the worst thing that can happen, we can still rejoice. We can still hope. Why? Faith is better than everything. Because what does it mean? Because God has demonstrated we were worth everything. He's true. He's ruler. He's supreme. He's brought us the kingdom of heaven. I'll close with this. I, uh, I heard a pastor share this thought, <clears throat> and I really like the thought. He, he, he alluded to what's always true. Like, if you can look back on moments of national concern or crisis or pandemic or things like that, he alluded to this idea that, hey, in six months, one year, two years, five years, ten years, we will be telling stories about this time. We'll be telling the stories the same way some of us now, you look back and say, where were you when? We will in the future be telling stories about this time. And his reminder to me was this reminder of what will the stories they tell? What will those stories be? Those stories will be based on what they see. What will the stories be I tell? They'll be informed by how I respond. They'll be informed by how I act. 
They'll be informed by how I lead. They'll be informed by my family looking and seeing. They'll be informed by how the springs looks and sees. They'll be informed by what my neighbors see. They'll be informed by all these things. And guys, here's the truth. In the midst of this, this is a test of God's people, a demonstration and a trial to the world. Hey, will you count it joy? Will you shine bright? Will you, just like Job, though I walk in the way of suffering, you refine me and I will come forth as gold. Like, will we embrace that to where the future stories, not for the sake of approval, not for what others think, but for the glory of God, because God is looking to glorify himself, even in tremendous tragedy, 3.28 million filing for unemployment. In the midst of all of that, God is not gone. God is not lost. Faith is still essential. If we want in the future for the glory of God and the good of those around us as well as ourselves, if we want the stories to be told, to be stories of, that was the first time that my dad created an at-home form of discipleship. That was the first time that my family created a rhythm of daily prayer. That was the first time that my community group got honest about our finances, even though that's a scary thing. That was the first time I got to see an Acts 2 demonstration of a local church where it says they had everything in common. That was the first time I realized I had to go to my community group and say, guys, my marriage, we've been roommates. The fact that we're just together, it's just exposed that we've been roommates. Perhaps this is the first time where you, even as you're wrestling with faith, you've always said, no, 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 I'm gonna take time and I'm gonna wrestle with God and I'm gonna examine all the faith, whatever you wanna do. Perhaps this is the time where you actually do that. Guys, you know what we do with our priorities? You know what we do with what matters most? We schedule it. How are you scheduling the pursuit of faith? How are you scheduling the priority of faith? The second thing that we do is we share it. We share our priorities. We share what matters most. How are you doing it? Not only inviting others in your life, your community group, your family, your friends to say, hey, will you help me grow in this aspect? But how are you doing it sharing? No, this is what matters to me most. Hey, family, here's what I want to be known for. When we reflect on COVID-19, I want to be known for how faith was the marquee characteristic of my life. Not just because I grew up in church and I know that's the right church answer and I'm supposed to say faith because I sincerely believe God in heaven died for my sins, rose from the grave. I will see him in eternity unless he comes for me before. That what marks you. I want it to mark me. I want it to mark me more and more. These are not trifling things. This is serious. Pain the world faces is real. But the solution in Christ is true. Live like it. We're in a serious quarantine checklist where I'm so excited. We're going to talk about what the world is saying, what's essential, what matters most, where do we run to. We as believers in Jesus have to remind ourselves what is our quarantine checklist, what is essential to us, what do we run to, what must mark us. Our number one mark is faith. If you don't know Jesus Christ, turn to other people on a couch, say, how could I come to know him? If you want to learn more about that, you email us, info at the Springs NB. We will call you. We will, find, we will Zoom. We will FaceTime. We'll do whatever. If you know him, grow in that. Let your action lead your emotions. Don't wait for feelings to pursue faith. And let's be marked by that. Let me pray.
Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for parables, these stories that illustrate these truths. I thank you that you are better than everything, that we count everything as lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing you. You compared to anything, you're better. Lord, I thank you that even though we were foolish, we were disobedient, we were led astray, we were slaves to our passions and our pleasures. That you saw us as worthy of all that you had. You saw us worthy of the death of your son, Jesus. Father, repeatedly throughout your Bible, your word says, let us live in a worthy manner. Father, make us live in a worthy manner. As we strive to do that in this time, the number one thing we want to put, the number one thing we want to be marked by is faith. We need your help to do that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thank you all for joining us on the live stream. We're going to keep doing these. We are actively working at putting out content even now through the week, especially as we're able to take care of some of the earlier priorities. One of the emails that you should have gotten either last night or this morning was if you have kids, information on how to disciple kids in your home. We are not taking a single day off from the mission of being and making disciples, calling ourselves, our community, to go all in. Full devotions, normal. Whatever tools, whatever resources you need, reach out. We want to do everything we can to serve, to help, and disciple alongside you during this time. But in the absence, you'll have a great week of worship, and we'll see you next week.